Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. And it just so happens that we're talking about the importance of God's Word. This is lesson number six. When I started it, I didn't know how far it would go, but I think it would go endlessly. I'm honest about that. Endlessly. It's the, it's the Word, the importance of God's Word. Praise God. Ever since the fall of man, God has been trying to effectively communicate His plan of redemption to mankind. To anyone and everyone who would ever listen to what He has to say. And it took all three of the Godhead in order to pull it off. As a matter of fact, God the Father had a part, God the Son had a part, God the Holy Ghost had a part. And really, if you, if you think about it, we also have a part. So you could say it's like a four by four race. Talked about this on Wednesday evening. It's like a four by four race. Ever watch a four by four race? Four by 400? Four by 400? Track meet? Four by 100 swimming meet? Each one has their part to play, and each one is important. Each part is important. I saw a couple of those actually way back in 2008 at the Olympics in Beijing. If you recall the story way back then, um, Michael Spitz, Michael Phelps wanted to change Michael Spitz' uh, record for how many medals that they had won at the gold medals at the Olympics, and it didn't look like uh, when they swam against France. France was the favored four by 100 team in the water. They already beat the Americans before and uh, they were so confident they were really pretty cocky about how they were going to wipe up the Americans. And when it came down to the last leg, each one ran their leg and uh, when it came down to the last one, the last person who participated, the fourth one, who participated, his name was Jason Lezak. And when Jason Lezak got into the water, the one who already beat him earlier was in front of him by pretty good length. And uh, reading his story, he said, I saw him there and I knew I didn't beat him before. What was I going to do? He said, I just, I could either quit, just, just get through the race and take second. Even the announcer said, well, the Americans look like they're going to get second. Looks like Michael Phelps not going to break the record for all the gold medals. Then all of a sudden, his attitude changed. Because Jason Lezak said, I'm going to get, give every fiber of my being. I am going to go all out. I don't care if I pass out and faint in this water. I'm going to do what I need to do to win. And at the very end of the race, he tapped the wall before the fellow from France, and they won the gold medal. See, every single one of them had a part to play in it. Every single one of them. And then, I don't know if you ever heard of Matthew Bowling. He's a track star as well. And he just ran not too long ago a 4 by 400 race. And in this race, this is a collegiate race, he's an athlete, he was the anchor. So the first one gets the baton, runs around. Hands the second off to the second one, he gets the baton, he goes around. By the time Matthew Bowling got the baton, he was three full seconds behind the fellow who was in front of him, which could be like 30 meters to make up. And the announcer just said, this is like impossible, there's no... No possible way. Usually these are maybe one second apart at the most and sometimes even hundreds of a second apart. But lo and behold, this fellow 
got around the track, and by the time he got to the end of the track, he barely passed him up because he refused to give up and won the race. So you see, all four were involved, and all four had a part to play. Well, you know what happened in our redemption? God the Father had a part to play in our redemption, and that was he was the mastermind behind our redemption. Number two, once he masterminded it, He's passed the baton off to Jesus, and Jesus came to the earth. And when Jesus walked upon the earth, what did he do? He worked it out. He did everything that was necessary that the first Adam failed to do, the second Adam did, or the last Adam did. He did everything that was necessary for redemption to be achieved, you know, for mankind. And then he died. And when he died, what did he say? Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He was done, and he passed the baton on to the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says that he was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. The Holy Ghost got the baton, and the Holy Ghost went down into the earth, and he brought Jesus up from the grave, glorified his body, and then went with him into the Holy of Holies, where he, through the eternal spirit, offered his blood for the redemption of mankind. He did his part. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And then once that part was done, now... Redemption is possible, it's made, it's achieved, it's obtained. All that's left to do is for somebody on earth to pick up the baton and say, I believe in you, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost comes into him, recreates his spirit, fills him with power, and then sends him off into the world to proclaim the truth of the gospel. Hallelujah. Are you a willing participant? Are you going to get the baton? You're going to take the baton, hand off to you, and say, use me, Lord, like Isaiah said, use me, I'm ready to go. Use me, I'll proclaim, declare, decree the truth of the gospel around the world, everywhere I go. That's why I'm here. That's what I live for. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, outermost parts of the earth. Jerusalem, starting there. So, scriptures about the importance of the word of God. I thought this would be very interesting for us to look at this morning. Our part is to pick up the baton and take everything that Jesus did and share it with the world, empowered by the Spirit. Number one, John's Gospel, chapter one. In the beginning, this is verse one, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was God. Would you call that important? The Word and God are one. Look at verse 14. The Word and God are one. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You realize you hold in your hand when you hold your Bible, you hold a book that is God-breathed and God-filled. And with Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are alive. We have a record of the words that came from the mouth of the Word of God, the Son of God, the second person of deity. This is not just another book. This is the Word of God, inspired by the Spirit, spoken by our Lord. And so you hold within your hand a means by which you can know God. This written Word reveals to us the living Word, and the living Word is God. And then look at the next one in Hebrews. In chapter 11 and verse 3. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed. How? By the word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Notice the first part. Through faith we understand. Through faith 
we understand what? That the worlds that we live in were framed by the word of God. Do you know why scientists cannot come up with the reality of, of uh, the world that we live in? It's all a bunch of theory. Biologists, you can go on and name all the scientists and everybody who wants to come up with any, any kind of idea. Big Bang Theory, Darwin's Theory of Evolution. You know why they all fall, sh all fall short? Because it's only understood through faith. Because the things that are seen were not made of things that do appear. So what made the things that are seen, if you do a study, you'll find out God spoke, God said, and it became a reality. God made a decree and a command, and it became a reality. You know why the waters of the ocean don't cross over the sands on the seashore? Because by a perpetual decree, God said, stop, you will not pass over. And the waters have to stop right there. In other words, you can't put words under a microscope. You can hear them, but you can't see them. But everything that we see was created by the word of God God's word is the reality that upholds everything together. Look at Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1, verses 1 through 3. God, who at sundry times and diverse manners spake in times past by the fathers, uh, to the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us how? By his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things, how? By the word of his power. Do you remember when? Job went to the box with God. He said, come on down here. I've got some troubles down here on the earth. And I want to know exactly who you are and what you're made of. Remember he said that? Uh-huh. Yeah. And then finally when he got his wish. And God in a whirlwind came and visit, visited him. And he was frightened out of his mind. And then God said to him, okay, wise man. I've got some things to ask you. How does the earth hang out there in orbit? What holds it up there in the sky? And then he became dumbfounded. He wanted to run away from the fight. First round, he just wanted to leave. And God said, oh, no, 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 you're coming back here. We're going to talk for a while. We're going to talk for a while. And he started asking him questions. But think about it. The whole universe has been set in motion by the word of God. And when Joshua needed the sun to stand still in the valley of Agilon and the moon, in other words, all of the universe stopped for a day so Israel can win the battle, guess what? It says, there's never been a day like it before or after that God hearkened to the voice of a man. Words are powerful containers of life and death. The word is what brought the world into being. The word is what upholds all things and sustains them. How important is that? You realize if God gave the word and said, gravity, stop. I'd be looking at you like this. You realize that? Floating off. Okay, look at the, and also he spoke to us through his, but look at the next one, Hebrews 4 and verse 12. The, the word of God is sharp and powerful. Quick means sharp. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So the word of God, it's alive. It's a living thing. It is powerful. There's nothing more powerful than the word of God. The word of God brought all the world into being. The word of God upholds all things and keeps things in order. And the word of God is quick. It can penetrate the very heart and soul of a man and change him from the inside out if his heart is open and receptive to what the word says. It divides between, notice, joint and marrow, and spirit and soul. Now we are told you don't know where the, where bone, where the bone and marrow. The bone ends and the marrow begins and so on. It's hard to divide between that. The same thing with spirit and soul. Between the spirit and soul. Where does one end? Where does one be, begin? In other words, only the word of God can take that which is spiritual and separate it from that which is soulish. We don't want to live by soulish. We want to live by spiritual. 
And so it's the word of God that gives us this understanding. Look at the next one. In 1 John chapter 2 and verses 12 through 17. I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because you are strong. Now notice this. And the word of God abideth in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Why can young men be strong and overcome the devil, the lust of the flesh, eyes, and pride of life? Because the word of God is on the inside, he said. You've got the word of God living in you. Not just a scripture that I read, but we're talking about an entity. We're talking about a living reality so that the word impacts the heart of a person in such a powerful way that it causes them to conduct themselves in a proper way according to God's design to overcome everything that's in this world. Look at the next one, Matthew chapter 4. And this is proven out by Jesus. Look at verses 4 through 11. You know the story. But he answered and, sh- and said, it is written, this is the devil tempting Jesus on the mountain of temptation. You know, he was hungry 40 days. You'd be hungry after 40 days? You didn't eat? I'm hungry after 24 hours. Not even 24 hours. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every, everybody say every. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taken him up into a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written. The devil knows how to quote scripture. It is written. So now you know it's not always good when you can know how to quote scripture. It doesn't mean anything, does it? He shall give his angels charge over concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, uh, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And then Jesus said to him, it is written again. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taken them up to an exceeding high mountain and shows them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said to him again. All these things will I give thee, and if thou wilt fall down and worship me, then said Jesus to him, get thee, be, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt not worship, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So here we see we have the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, and of course he's attacked on every front, all three realms of man, spirit, soul, and body. And what does Jesus do? He quotes the word. How could he have overcome the temptation if he did not know the word? How could he say it is written if he did not know what was written? You see how important this is? We need to know what is written so we can quote what is written when we are cha- we're facing challenges that the enemy brings our way. So we need to have the word of God. We have to embrace the word of God. Look at 2 Corinthians in, in chapter 11 and notice something here. But I am not surprised even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. The word disguise means he masks himself. He uses a mask like at a masquerade party. Anybody here ever go to a masquerade party? Yes, no. I don't think I've ever been to a masquerade party. But I, I guess you go to a masquerade party. And what do you do? Either you wear some kind of mask or whatever. Or sometimes they put a mask on a stick. And they hold it up in front of their face. And so what they see is uh, in the front, right? And what's behind it, they don't really know who it is. I guess there's a program now, I guess some one of these, you know, singing programs where a movie star comes, I mean, a singer comes out and dressed in something. What is it called? Oh, the mask. I guess that's, I guess that's what I'm talking about. He's got this mask, right? You're covered up. You don't know who he is. And they got to guess who the person is, right? 
So they have no idea who he's on the outside, but they hear the voice singing, and they got to guess who's on the inside. So here we are. So let's put Jesus up on the Mount of Temptation, right? He is hungry, 40 days, 40 nights. He hasn't eaten a thing. He is starving right now. Hunger sets in after this time. Satan comes along. He disguises himself like a masquerade party. He disguises himself, and he holds up. Mm, I was going to say a pepperoni pizza, but let me think. I've run that one into the ground. Chicken Parmesan. And he sees the mask. Chicken Parmesan. Oh, does that look good? I am so hungry. I want that. Chicken Parmesan. But you see, if he were to remove the mask, behind the mask, it was full of maggots. See, th this is what it means. He made it look so good to you. And then boom, I got you. You see that? And then the next one, how about this one? He's got this other mask he puts on in, in front of Jesus and says, this mask, mask says, protection. Protection. Jump off to prove you're the son of God. God sent his angels. It's written. And you know what? He will deliver you. And they'll bear you up in their hands. But what's behind the mask? It's certainly not protection, is it? It's foolishness and presumption. And Jesus called it out when he said, you don't tempt the Lord your God. He was aware of the tactics of the devil. Can you see that? And the third one, he took him up to the top of the mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, right? His mask was one of power and glory. Glory and power was the mask. It was like Adam and Eve. You see that tree? Man, you touch that tree, ooh, it's going to be great for you. But you know what was behind that? D&D, &D, death and destruction. And you know what happened? Jesus rebuked that and said, I'm going to worship God. Him alone am I going to worship, and that's all there is to it. Because you see, that's exactly what the devil wanted from the very beginning. He wanted to usurp God's power and authority and take his glory and put it upon himself. But guess what? Jesus, or the father says, you'll be sent to hell. That's where you'll spend your eternity. Can you see that? So what does he do? He makes something look really good on the outside, but behind the mask is D&D, &D, death and destruction. Look at the Proverbs chapter 7, and I'm going to read this whole entire chapter because it is so powerful and impacting, especially in our society today. There's so much going on in our society today and it seems like it's just a, all kinds of uh, attacks coming against our nation, uh, people, the body of Christ, etc. But let's read these verses. And I want to show you the mask. And then I'm going to show you what's behind the mask. My son, notice this. Keep my words. Lay up my commandments with thee. Keep my commandments, notice, and live. Anybody want to live? And my law as the apple of thine eye. Bind them upon thy fingers. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Say unto wisdom thou art my sister. Call understanding thy kinswoman. That they may keep thee from the strange woman. From the stranger which flattereth with her words. For at the window of my house I looked through my casement. And beheld among the simple ones I discerned among your, the youths. A young man. Notice this void of understanding passing through the street near her corner 
and he went the way uh, to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night, and behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. She is loud and stubborn. Her feet abides not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day I have paid my vows. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen of Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love into the morning. Let us solace ourselves with love. For the good man is not at home. He is gone along, on a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him and will come out home at the day appointed. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver and a bird hasteth to, to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken unto me now, children, O ye children, and attend to the words, notice we're talking about words, of my mouth. Let not your heart decline to her ways, go not astray in her paths, for she cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. Is that a mouthful? Okay, what's the mask? See, the mask on the outside is beauty. Behind the mask is death and destruction. Okay? So when the mask is in front, it looks good, just like the pizza, just like the protection, you know, and, and, and just like the glory and the power. But then on the outside, see, that's all that person sees, that young person sees. And then when it's removed, it's death and destruction that leads to hell. So it's important that we understand no matter who we are, we're going to face temptation in this world. And the only way to rise up above it and overcome it is how? By getting the word of God, being aware of the tactics or the wiles of the devil, and recognize when something looks good on the outside, it doesn't mean it's good all the way through. You've got an enemy, something behind it that is a destructive force that wants to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Anybody here think the devil's your friend? Oh, how about the rest of you? <laughs> He's not your friend. He's your enemy. Oh, this proposition here looks good. This business proposition looks good. Or that looks good. Yeah, he wants it to look good on the outside because he knows once he gets you to bite. Remember what James said about? Every man's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. That's the whole plat, plan of the devil is to draw people away from God. To follow their own desires. Look at the next. Psalm 107 verse 20. It says. He sent his word and healed them. And delivered them from their destructions. And once again we see Satan wanted to destroy. Human lives. The work of God. He sent his word to heal them and deliver them. So there is healing in the word. There is deliverance in the word. And in Psalm 147 verse 3. You'll notice this. There's even emotional healing that's found in the word of God. He heals the broken in heart and binds up all their wounds. 
Look at Luke's gospel 4 and verse 18, what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to do what? Heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised. Notice these two words, brokenhearted and bruised, in, those, in that context. Jesus came to take hearts that have been broken and put the pieces back together again. And Jesus came to take hearts that are bruised. And bruised is talking about a bleeding from within and heal that up, bind up all their wounds so they can be a whole person. And so in other words, you're not alone. No matter what we've been through in life or we've walked through in life, thank God there's help for us. Through the word of God, we know what God will do. We don't know that if he doesn't communicate that to us. Look at the next one. Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. My son, attend to my words. Notice again, we're talking about the importance of the word. We must give attention to his word. Put it as a top priority. Inclined, and then he tells us how to do it. Incline your ears to my sayings. Don't let them depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? For they are life unto those that find them, and they are health to all their flesh. The quality of life and health that we experience is based on what? Our attitude toward the word of God. Then keep your heart protected with all diligence, <clears throat> for out of it, all the issues of life. So as we look at this here section of scripture, what do we see? Our God's a healing God. Emotional healing, physical healing as well. But notice the word of God must be attended to. And how are we going to attend to the word of God? Well, he tells us how. Incline thine ears. It means bend your ear. Lean toward what I'm saying and not toward what everybody else might be saying or the temptation might be saying. Lean toward what I'm saying. Attend to my word by listening. It's like a parent tells a child, are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? None of you ever experienced that, huh? Are you listening to me? Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. Keep it before your eyes means mull it over in your mind or think about what I'm saying. Think about what I'm saying. Take some time to settle down and think about what I'm trying to tell you. Have you ever had to try to do that with your child? Think about what I'm saying. Think about what you're doing. Think about it. Okay, next one. He says, keep it in the midst. The word keep actually means to be, to protect in the midst of your heart. Protect the word in the midst of your heart. Keep it there. Believe what I'm saying. So think about what I'm saying. Think, I'm sorry. First thing he says, listen to what I'm saying. Think about what I'm saying. Now believe what I'm saying. Any parent here ever try to communicate with your child to tell your child, I've been down that path before. I know all the pitfalls and all the holes in the road that need to be fixed. And look it, I don't want you to fall into the same ditch or the same trouble that I got myself into because I didn't heed the voice of my parents. I didn't listen to what they said. I didn't think about what they were saying. I didn't believe that what they were saying. I thought what was important was the mask of just do what you want to do and sow your wild oats. Right? I see a few heads bobbing up and down. That's what God is saying to us. Listen to what I'm saying. Think about what I'm saying. Believe what I'm saying. And that'll be life to you. And health to all of your flesh. Then protect your heart diligently. Why? Because you're going to be challenged along the way. You're going to have some letdowns in life. There's going to be some high moments. There's going to be some times when you, the song talks about how when you're in that valley, praise God, you are not alone. You are surrounded by the love of God, the mercy of God, the glory of God, the power of God, right? Remember when Elisha was at Dothan and they were surrounded by the army, the Assyrian army, 
And remember there they were to try to, to capture him and bring him, you know, take him captive. And he says to his master, oh master, how will, will it go with us? How's it, what's going to happen to us? Look, we're surrounded by all this army. And what does he say? Lord, open up his eyes so that he could really see. You know, there's something unseen that we need to see. Something behind the scenes that we need to know. And what is it? The army of the living God was surrounding them. Isn't that beautiful to know? He was they were surrounded. And so that enemy was no match for the army of God that was surrounded. And his eyes were open and he saw. So can you imagine when he said, what's going to happen to us? Like, I got this. I got this, praise God. Amen. And then also, now look at 1 Samuel chapter 15. Another important verse on the importance of the word of God. Look at this here. This is Saul. He was king, anointed king of Israel. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. What did Saul reject? The word of the Lord. And the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. So he rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord rejected him, because he rejected his word. So what happens to him? Look at chapter 19, and you'll see what happened to him. When we reject the word of the Lord, an evil spirit from the Lord was upon him, and he sat in his house with his javelin in his hand, and David played with his hand. And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin, but he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin in the wall, and David fled and escaped that night. Do you see what he fell from? He fell from a place where he was the king of Israel, and he got to a place where he rejected the word of God. When he rejected the word of God, he opened up the door to an evil spirit that came upon him that took him over. And now instead of rejoicing in what God was doing, he now is against anybody that stands for what God stands for. He wants to kill David. You know the story. And David had to flee for his life because he was anointed to be the next king. So it's important to understand we can open up the door to the enemy if we reject the word of the Lord. Then go to Psalms uh, 19, and we're about done here. Look at Psalms 19, beginning at verse 7. A wonderful section of Scripture that really it, it emphasizes the importance of the Word of God. Let's just read it first. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. You will notice that first of all, as we kind of analyze this and break it down, first of all, David refers to God's word, and you'll see it in your notes there, as his law, his testimony, his statutes, his commandments, his fear, and his judgments. All those are a reference to the word. And remember we talked about at the beginning of this series that God really wants to live in those that what? Have a humble, contrite heart and tremble at his word. And so he calls all these statements his word. But then under point B, with each word he lists an accompanying characteristic. What is it? Well, first of all, his, it's his law, which is perfect. It's his testimony, which is sure. It's his statute, which is right. Commandments that are pure. Fear that is clean. And judgments are true. So all that is talking about the impact the word of God should have upon the heart and life of a person. Notice under C, David lists the effects of the word. It revives and makes one wise. It brings rejoicing and enlightens us. 
So all these are the effect of the word of God penetrating the heart of an individual. And you heard me say this last week. You choose to attend church here. You will be taught the word of God. You will be taught the word of God. We're not talking about what's going on in politics. We're not talking about what's going on out there in the world. Current events. We are talking about the importance of the word of God impacting our lives in such a way so as to direct us along the path of life. And that's what we desire. So that we can, at the end of our road, go to heaven and hear those words, great hallelujah. Good job. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Thou faithful servant, right? Amen. Look at the next uh, under point uh, D and E. Look at, it's to be desired. So desirable that even more so than gold. And you think about that statement. We work so hard to provide for our families. We work so hard to make ends meet, to rise up above it all, to have for our children better than what we had for ourselves. And so many, many, many work hard and harder and harder and harder, many hours and so on and so forth to this end. But he said, look, this is more desirable than gold. You should have a hunger for the word of God that is greater than your hunger for riches of this world. And finally, what does it do? It warns us and it rewards us. It's a warning. Ever read a warning label? Now, you realize whenever they put these warning labels on things, it's because someone probably tried to do it and it backfired. How about this one? Do you ever see those sun shields they have in cars? What are, they, what are they purposing to do with that? Keep the heat out. As much heat as they possibly can, right? So the sun reflects off of it and doesn't make the car as hot. Do you know on the back of it it says, do not drive with this in place. <laughs> now that fella needs help. Right? Warning. Wow. Anyhow, it warns us, but it also rewards us. Okay, 1 Peter 1, verses 24 and 25. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. All the glory. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endures how long? And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. You know what that means? A man will live and a man will die. And anything and everything that he does for himself is going to die with him. All his achievements, all of his goals that he reached, all those things will be left right here behind. All the money that he's accumulated is going to be left right here behind. His wealth, uh, his fame, his fortune, his success, all that's still going to be here. But the one who builds his life upon the foundation of the word of God and lives his life to honor and serve the most high that will not stay here. Your reward will be with you on the other side in glory. He'll reward you for anything and everything you ever did to advance the kingdom of God upon the earth. Isn't that good to know? Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word you, that you live your life on will live on forever and ever. And then Luke 11. If this doesn't get you excited... Come back next week.
You ready for it? Let's read it. But he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. But be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving your own selves. Whatsoever he saith. How many of you know that Mary, the mother of our Lord, Mary who gave him that physical body that he lived on the earth, that many reference today, ignore the most important words that ever fell from her lips. At the feast, the marriage feast of Cana, when he turned water into wine, do you remember that story? And, he, and she went to him and said, uh, you know, you need to do something here because, and he said, woman, it's not my time yet. I mean, I, whatever. And she walks away and says, whatsoever he saith, do it. Nike did not coin that. Just do it. Those were her words. Powerful words. Did he say it? Then what? Do it. Don't you love the word of God? Let's all stand together. Hallelujah.